0: What father among you will hand his son a snake when he asks for a fish, or hand him a scorpion when he asks for an egg? If you then who are wicked know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? These words addressed to the disciples, not to the scribes or the Pharisees, teach us what to pray for. It seems harsh of our Lord to call his disciples wicked. But without God, we are incapable of goodness or approaching the goodness of God, who alone is good. God the Father will give us the Holy Spirit if we ask. God, like a good Father, will give us what we need even if we ask for what, we, for what may not be for our good provided we honestly, sincerely, and maybe with vulnerability, open our hearts and minds to him. For the second time in recent weeks, the Church takes us to Abraham's tent at Mamre and his encounter with the three mysterious beings referred to diversely as Men, Angels, the Lord, God. The outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great and their sin so grave that I must go down and see whether or not their actions fully correspond to the cry against them that comes to me. God listened to Abraham's prayer for mercy, his persistent prayer for mercy, and promised that even if there were just ten just men in that town, he would not destroy it. But as we all know, the city was destroyed. There were no just men there apart from Lot and his family whom the Lord escorted out of the town to safety before destroying it. The sin of Sodom, known today as sodomy, is considered in catechetical tradition as one of the sins crying out to heaven for vengeance. For the men of Sodom were having unnatural relations with men Their unbridled passions leading to to attempt even to break into the house of Lot, desiring to, quote-unquote, know. It's a biblical term, which means to to have relations with. These men wanted to have unnatural relations even with Lot's divine guests. The abuse of the procreative faculty is not the only sin that the church is concerned about. But touching as it does on matters to do with the tree of life, it must surely be considered as pretty fundamental. 51 years ago, on July 25th, 1968, Pope St. Paul VI, like a good father wishing to dispense good food to the children of the church, issued the encyclical for which he will be forever remembered and forever reviled. Humanae on the regulation of birth. It begins, The transmission of human life is a most serious role in which married people collaborate freely and responsibly with God the Creator. The serious tone with which the Pope begins the letter tells us something of the atmosphere that was prevalent at that time. He goes on to say how the fulfilment of this duty of collaborating with the Creator has always posed problems to the conscience of married people. Pope Paul wrote as if he was burdened with the duty of reiterating a teaching that he knew would be rejected by great numbers of the sons and daughters of the Church. Now in our teaching of young people and those preparing for marriage, we would want to present The same teaching, but more positively and more upbeat. What an awesome thing it is for married couples to collaborate with God in bringing new life into the world. What an awesome thing it is that God would create a new soul out of nothing whenever a new human being results from your nuptial union. What an awesome thing it is that God waits upon your consent and your cooperation to create a new life that is destined for membership of the church and citizenship in heaven. In a talk on human life given by Father Joseph Trenum, who is a priest of the Antiochian Orthodox Christian Archdiocese of North America, he speaks of the wonderment caused as people see him in his long black robe walking through the streets of his hometown in California with his wife and ten children in tow I gather that my walking around in the cassock is getting noticed in town just imagine if I was also accompanied by a wife and ten children That would really put this parish on the map here in Cottage Grove, wouldn't it? As you know, priests in the the Eastern churches, Orthodox and Catholic, are generally married and have families. Father remarks that he is sometimes tempted to charge for people for viewing this freak show. But he says that it is because a human life surpasses in value any other created thing that he and his wife have ten children. And indeed, the Second Vatican Council, in its decree on the Church in the Modern World, Gaudium et Spes, proclaims this when it teaches, by its very nature, the institution of marriage and married love is ordered to the procreation and education of the offspring, and it is in them that it finds its crowning glory. Same constitution continues children are the supreme gift of marriage and contribute greatly to the good of the parents themselves. Now, does this mean that every married couple must have ten children, like Father Josiah and his wife? I won't say no, but I will say not necessarily. As Pope St. Paul VI teaches in Humanivitae. Responsible parent is exercised by those who prudently and generously decide to have more children and by those who, for serious reasons and with due regard to moral precepts, decide not to have additional children for either a certain or an indefinite period of time. Now, such a decision means, the Pope teaches, that man's reason and will must exert control over his innate drives and emotions. And the Pope affirms the Church's constant doctrine, quote, that every marital act must of necessity retain its intrinsic relationship to the procreation of human life, even if natural circumstances might mean that a new new life might not result. Pope St. Paul VI wrote, An act of mutual love which impairs the capacity to transmit life, which God the Creator through specific laws has built into it, frustrates his design which constitutes the norm of marriage and contradicts the author of life. Hence, to use this divine gift, notice he calls it a divine gift, while depriving it, even if only partially, of its meaning and purpose, is equally repugnant to the nature of man and of woman and is consequently in opposition to the plan of God and his holy will. But to experience the gift of married love while respecting the laws of conception is to acknowledge that one is not the master of the sources of life, but rather the minister or servant of the design established by the creator. And so the sainted Pope once more declares that the direct interruption of the generative process already begun, and above all, all direct abortion, even for therapeutic reasons, are to be absolutely excluded as lawful means of regulating the number of children. Equally to be condemned is direct sterilization, whether of the man or of the woman, whether present, permanent or temporary. He continues similarly excluded as any action which either before, at the moment of, or after uh, intercourse is specifically intended to prevent procreation whether as an end or as a means. Now there's no doubt that abiding by this natural and divine law requires growth in virtue as indeed does keeping any law of the commandments and of the natural law. It requires growth in virtue, self-control, self-control and reliance on God's grace, while fostering in husbands and wives thoughtfulness and loving consideration for one another. So prayer, sacramental confession, and the Holy Eucharist are sure means and aids to reach the perfection, this perfection in married life. And prayer for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Ask and you will receive Seek and you will find, knock, and the door will be open to you. If you persist, as Abraham persisted in his prayer, you will find understanding and you will find the capacity to live according to this beautiful divine law. You will, you will be given the Holy Spirit as a gift from the Father, the Spirit of truth and of life.